Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. It is indeed the beautiful Hill Country. That's where I reside. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Our studios, our palatial studios, as you can see, are here in Dripping Springs, Texas. We're about an hour west of Austin, where all the Looney Tunes live. And, uh, you know, every now and then we go in there just... uh, to see what the natives are doing. It's pretty strange in Austin, Texas. Well, it's strange everywhere around the world, and we're going to visit Ireland in just a few moments. If you care to join us, our telephone number is 888-663-6386. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. We're live here. It is 8, um, what is the hell the month? I, I, I don't even know. Uh, August the 9th, August 9th, 2022. In a couple of hours, you'll meet Max Egan. Max is a great guy uh, out of Australia, and I believe he's in Acapulco, and he doesn't know if he can even get back to Australia. Max has been studying the globalist agenda for many years. We've never talked to him, but pretty cool guy. I've seen his videos, and he's doing some some great work. About uh, almost three months now, I just kind of started getting into more fat and more meat, uh, you know, after eating all kinds of things all my life and always organic. And I'm really feeling exceptionally good. And um, we have uh, an- another guest in that regard with us. His name is Ivor Cummins. Um, we misspelt his name on the front page. Uh, Ivor, sorry about that. He's in Dublin, Ireland. So, Ivor, I would like to, first off, welcome, and thanks for coming on this show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. No, no, I appreciate being here. Thanks, Patrick. Yes, sir. Good to go. Okay. Um, So, as I mentioned, Ivor, I started doing this more meat and fat two or three months ago, and been interviewing a lot of carnivores and keto people like yourself, and so... I know that everybody's so different, and we have listeners all over the world. And I just want to ask you this: you, you, uh, you teach. You've written a book called "Eat, um, Eat What, Eat Rich, Live Long," right? Each, li- yeah. and you travel around the world. You speak at uh, uh, um, conferences, and you really study this stuff. So, am I on the right track? kind of encouraging people to do more of what I'm doing or am I leading them down the garden path? That's what I want to know. (laughs) Well, yeah. So carnivore, if you take it, an unhealthy diet, a bad diet, involves processed food and most processed food and ultra-processed food, which is most of the calories or the majority in US and now UK, is this junk. And it's not just things that you know are bad, like sweets and, and, and you know, fried chips. And, you know, it's pretty much all the sandwiches, the breads are vegetable oils and refined grains uh, and sugars. So most of the supermarket in the store is ultra processed food, pretty much. And where do you get real food? Well, it's meat, fish and eggs and <laughs> fresh vegetables. That's it. Mostly. So... The best diet for most people, myself and Dr. Gerber would say in the book, is a low-carb, non-processed food, meat, fish, and eggs, and vegetables, healthy diet. And you can have dark chocolate that's very low sugar, you know, 85% cocoa or higher. 
Uh, you can have double cream and strawberries and cream. Strawberries and blueberries are low sugar fruits. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't want to eat the big sugary bread for sugar oranges. Bread for a hundred years to be as sweet as possible. And apples, you know, but berry fruits. So meat, fish, and eggs, vegetables, and some of the nice things I mentioned. Uh, you know, that's a healthy low carb diet, and it's going to dramatically reduce your disease risk compared to a standard American diet. Yes, sir. So I'm um, there. And who is Dr. Gerber? And he co-authored the book, right? Yeah, Dr. Gerber is a good friend of mine going back to, oh, I think, 2012. Uh-huh. He found me on YouTube. <laughs> and we've um, been at many conferences around the world together. And he is known as Denver's Diet Doctor. And he's been almost 20 years treating metabolic disease, cardiovascular, diabetes, obesity, <laughs> with low-carb diets like I described. Uh-huh. Very successfully. And you recently presented to the British Association of Cardiovascular Prevention and Rehabilitation, also at the Irish National Institute of Preventive Cardiology. Um, are the cardiologists beginning to get that the cholesterol is not bad and the whole thing? Is, is there anything going on? Well, actually, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Scott Murray, who's a cardiologist, an extraordinary individual, he was president of that organization. And, and he brought me in. But normally they wouldn't tend to take in someone who's not a card-carrying cardiology or medical system person. Right. So it was great. Um, yes, there, many more are waking up over the last 10 or 15 years, but it would still be a minority. Most cardiologists are kind of a little like plumbers. They don't really get into nutrition and root cause. They, they kind of treat the symptoms and they deal with the vascular problems. Uh, but but it's getting better slowly. Mm-hmm. Is it similar in your experience with all your travels ever uh, in most parts of the world as far as what you've just said and doctors and cardio stuff? Any any countries better than others? Yeah, I mean, Germany, oddly enough, they behaved disgracefully during the pandemic. But <laughs> Germany is generally supportive of nutraceuticals and vitamin D and and whereas in America, the FDA is going after healthy vitamins and supplements. They're literally going after them for decades and it's getting worse. So, but generally most Western countries are similar. They have healthy low carb communities. They're growing steadily, but they're still a minority because the dominance of the corporate media on behalf of the food industry and pharma is so massive and, and so decades long. It's very hard mm. to make inroads. And the more low carb gets popular and gets out there, the more intense the pushback and the more the nonsense articles appear in the media about low carb might cause you penile dysfunction. I mean, they, they just make <laughs> they make up stuff. It's just hilarious. I hate it when that happens. Ah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's business. And, and I always say it's not a conspiracy theory, guys. So the whole cholesterol theory of heart disease and fat being bad Mm -hmm. is utter nonsense. But it was created not by industry. Industry just exploited it. In the 60s and 70s, Ansel Keys and other very Mm -hmm. powerful, influential uh, people. He was a fish physiologist. He wasn't even a doctor, but he was very political. And he got this idea, higher cholesterol, more fat in the diet. There's cholesterol in atherosclerosis heart disease in the plaque in your arteries oh it's the cholesterol and he kind of did fraudulent studies in science to prove that 
And then it just happened that he, he became a member of the American Heart Association. He became very influential in that. And, and the whole, the whole paradigm, thing. it just happened. Yeah. So it was mistaken uh, people who created it. Now, industry then found themselves asked to replace real food, which has a short shelf life and doesn't, does not lend itself to international corporate food supply. Uh, they were asked to take away real food and replace it with the cheapest ingredients in the universe, mm. cheap factory seed oils or vegetable oils and refined grains with long shelf life. Mm. So, I mean, industry just thought, oh, my God, this would be great. birthday. <laughs> would be great. And <laughs> it, they, they produced this junk, more and more of it. And then uh, over time, they realized it was crucial to their whole business now to have that belief system stay in place. So when people began to question it, uh, industry just said, hold on a minute, you can't take this away now. Wow. No way. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. So industry exploited and leveraged and benefited from the nonsense science. Yes, sir. And now they've got a steel grip on it. Yeah, sir. Uh, your website, and I have it up there, is the fatemperor.com. So fat, um, is that a big player in which you promote more than anything, if we had to put a name on it, is keto, right? More than, more than carnivore, or. Well, I I started with low carb, healthy diet. Myself and Dr. Gerber promote. Uh, we acknowledge keto is very powerful, and it's almost like a therapeutic diet. Hmm. The average person doesn't really need it, but people with severe diabetes and 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 weight loss problems can benefit from going further to keto, which is just much lower carb again it's not rocket science so we always recommend if you're going to do keto rather than low carb don't add fat in to get more keto skip meals right more regularly which is easy to do on low carb because you know it's easy to fast right on a standard american diet it's you impossible right yeah so skip some meals and through that healthy fasting behavior you will end up being more and more in the keto kind of blood levels. So that's the healthy way to go keto. Do healthy low carb, but start skipping meals. And that was our advice. But keto is great and very powerful for many conditions that require really low carb. And then carnivore is one step further is again. It? Yeah. And well, that is very therapeutic for people who keto even doesn't resolve their issues and if they have autoimmune and problems with plant world proteins yes, sir. which a lot of humans have yes, sir. you go further to carnivore and now you've got the cleanest possible ancestral human diet that we evolved on really and wow. now you're people keep saying that how do we know what in the heck these people ate four hundred thousand years ago i mean well i guess all they had was meat right a paleoanthropology. So a friend of mine, Dr. Mike Eads, one of the most well-read. What's and, his name? Smartest. Dr. Mike Eads, Michael Eads. Eads. Mm -hmm. He wrote uh, the Protein Power books back in the 80s and 90s about this. Hmm. And he sold, I think, four million. Wow. Um, hmm. So I oh, was on CNN back then and everything. But he's a brilliant, brilliant person with a huge personal library, incredibly well-researched. Hmm. Uh, he's 72 or three now. You know, he's yeah, anyway, he's amazing. But as he said, he's into paleoanthropology and history as well as everything else. And as he said, overwhelmingly, paleoanthropologists who study human history and diet and all of that stuff 
95 plus percent of them will say without any question that humans evolved through scavenging originally uh, brain offal carcasses and went on to become the most successful hunters on the planet humans uh, hunted the big uh, megafauna the mammoths to extinction hmm. in a surprisingly short time really? then they had to go after a small game fish was a big thing humans are the ultimate apex predator so if you do nitrogen and carbon studies from human remains going back hundreds of thousands of years you see that the signal for how much protein we ate and how much meat were actually up with foxes wolves and slightly higher so we're super predators Whoa. because we even ate the meat eaters. <laughs> so our, yeah, our genetic trace of what we were eating, we show up on a meat eating chart where you put the the mm -hmm. or the plant eaters down the bottom left and horses, and as you get up to the wolves and the the foxes and all, you know it's higher. You get to the lions, it's higher again, and humans are up there at the top because we ate the meat eaters because we were able to hunt them. <laughs> so. Paleoanthropology is a huge science, mm. and the question is answered. We evolved from access to nutrient-dense uh, organ meats and meats, and that's how we traded off. Our stomach became much smaller and used less energy because we were smart, we hunted, and our brains became much bigger. And that's why humans have a brain-to-stomach ratio that's completely out of step with all other mammals on this earth because we adapted to be super uh, hunters. That's wow. it. It's answered. Wow. I mean, and, and this fellow and others have proven this. I mean, they can just prove it. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it's proven. But now industry and, you know, plant bias movements have huge political control. Whoa. And the whole world, business-wise, economically, globalist-wise, climate-wise, <laughs> every single major force on this earth for the last 20 years has been against meat and against science for myriad reasons, but none of them have anything to do with truth and science, of course. Yeah, and I guess if you would really buy into that the grains are not so good and the vegetables are not so good, then you have a whole issue with the big, uh, the Monsanto's of the world and, and big agriculture and all of that, right? I mean, come on, they're Everyone. not, they're not going to buy into that. They're just not going to. Well, okay, look at the biggest... <laughs> the biggest power broking industries in the world food and pharma are right up there and all the likes of monsanto and all that hmm. they are the mega powers influencing the world and we know there's a revolving door with regulatory and regulatory capture and they work hand in glove with governments and they're all in it together yeah. right we know that it is an absolute terrifying thing to food and pharma because pharma make their money off the chronic diseases that come from modern processed food diets. So they're all in it together. Their big fear is people start eating meat, fish, and eggs mainly. <laughs> and their big desire is we eat much less of those because they're so healthy and we eat the processed food. Mm -hmm. And that's just it. I mean, it's simple. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not even complicated. It's just business. <laughs> Well, everything's a conspiracy theory, right? Oh, these days, yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, Ivor Cummins is with us. If you care to join us, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com is the email, or you can call 888-663-6386. So the fat emperor, uh, uh, do you, uh, how, 
more and more of the carnivore people I've been talking to are really into the fat, man. I mean, they, they said this is really important, you know. And it, talk about it. Talk about the importance of animal yeah. fat. They, they have a good point. And when I said earlier, Patrick, you know, don't shove in fat to get more keto. That's true. You don't want to be eating fats and oils that are purified or refined. You should eat your fat in the foods, in the cheese, in the ribeye, mm. naturally part of the foods. The reason fat's important is if you eat a very high, very high protein diet, it's not ideal because traditionally and through human history and evolution, uh, we prize the fattiest cuts. In fact, there's hmm. these famous stories about how these indigenous tribes often throw the, the leanest muscle meat to the dogs because they prize, there's fat-soluble vitamins, and humans knew this. Wow. So they prize the fatty cuts. The organ meats are fatty cuts. Hmm. The ribeyes, you know, brain. Humans always ate animal brain, and it's full of its own amazing nutrients, including DHA and EPA, like fish oil, mm -hmm. is in brain. Mm -hmm. So the humans always knew to eat the organ meats and the fatty cuts to get the most uh, nutrition. And the problem is, if you're just eating lean steaks all day, you're missing out on fat-soluble vitamins and a lot of benefits. So you got to be a bit careful not to go crazy on lean meat yeah, all the time. Exactly. Um, and eat organ meats. That's, that's another thing. Eat the organ meats like we did for all of human history until around 50 years ago. We got modern. People lost the taste for it, stopped giving it to kids. Now they don't even like the smell of it. <laughs> so, and that's pretty much whatever you can get: good grass-fed liver, kidney, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Oh, the whole lot. And heart full of CoQ10 heart. and brain, as I say, full of its own special nutrients. Now I know people won't really eat brain. I had it in Hungary and a, a paleo medicina medical group at the conference because they're into this big time. Uh, but but certainly heart is fine, and heart does not have a very organy meat no. taste. Liver is strong, and kidney. I like kidneys, even though they kind of taste a little bit of urine. Yeah, surprisingly, they do. I mean, I've had them. You know, yeah. they do a bit. Yeah, <laughs> but with cream and a great sauce, it, it's rich flavor, a very fatty organ full of good right. stuff. I had some brain one time with somebody from France, and they cooked this whole brain thing with eggs. Man, you couldn't eat very much of it. It was so rich. It was just like fat. Just, yes. Ooh, man. Ooh. Well, that's the other key, Patrick. You're obviously extremely slim, healthy uh, appearance. But, you know, if you eat high-protein fat foods, they trigger enormous satiety signals. Uh, and we know all the mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And if you eat refined grains and all those things, they do the exact opposite they get in the upper gut, they trigger GIP hormone, which raises insulin and does not suppress appetite, pushes you towards diabetes. And when you eat things with lots of fiber or fatty meats with low carb, it moves down through your intestine, down to different cells, and they trigger satiety and anti-diabetic hormones. So the nature of the food and how it's digested through your system is actually the kernel of, of of why these things are important and uh, that's a simple yeah the whole satiety in the brain thing is fascinating isn't the difference between sugar and carbs but you well uh, we have a, a regenerative farmer in dripping springs and he feeds his pigs just a vegetarian diet and it's really interesting really good and uh, you can get the ham hocks and stuff and i make the broth and that's what i had for dinner last night 
I made this bowl and I could eat like a quarter of it. It was almost all fat. And you know, like you say, that's all. I said, well, I'm done. I'm done here. I put it back in the fridge. That's Isn't that crazy? Yeah, just a little bit. Well, with the real foods, the high protein, mm. high fat, real ancestral foods, you can actually eat to satiety without worrying of trying to limit. Mm. Now, if someone's very overweight and they switch to this real diet, they might also want to restrict how much they eat to, to try and quickly bring their weight down. But for anyone healthy, they can just eat to satiety. And the other thing I do, uh, even though I eat too much in my meal, <laughs> I'm a bit indulgent, but it's okay. Oh, wow. I do OMAD one meal a day. And it's getting more popular. It doesn't suit everyone. That, that intermittent fasting me. thing, just one meal a day. Yeah, yeah you, you can do the 16, 8, two meals a day. But I kind of do 24, 0. I eat once a day wow. around 6 p.m. at wow. the end of my work day. I get up, I go straight to work, I get coffee with a bit of cream a couple of times, and I work right through, no breakfast, work right through lunch. I am not hindered in my workday by any preparing wow. of food or eating. Yeah. And I never feel hungry. And when it comes up near 6 p.m., my clock is saying, hey, I'm hungry now, and I'm looking forward to that really good meal. Yeah. It's a big prize. Yeah. Uh, but all day long, I don't even think about it. Don't even think. Don't you, even think. I've noticed that too, and I'm only like three, three months into heavy, um, uh, excuse me, animal and eggs and and some butter. But I, I just don't get hungry. I'm not hungry. Uh-huh. I just and this every now and then I get hungry and say, oh, I'll have some some food. I don't care what time it is. I'll just eat. That's yeah. Myself and Gerber's advice to people, you know, if they find it difficult to do these fasts. Well, always keep on hand super healthy, nutrient-dense, fatty, proteinous foods. Mm-hmm. If you do feel you need something, have a cured hard sausage. doesn't even need refrigeration. Have tins of sardines. Pop one of those, eat mm-hmm. them. Hunger's gone. Uh, cheeses. Keep healthy, high-fat, high-protein foods that don't require refrigeration, just for convenience, and keep them nearby at work or in general. And when you really feel, I want something, you put out your hand to something good, but if, if if that happens to you and you're in a gas station and you go in, I mean, well, there's nothing done. you can buy. You're done. You're going to eat crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. Every now and then I've been having bacon in the middle of the night if I get up and I'm hungry. Have some bacon. Yeah. And boy, it's great. It's great, man. Yeah. Bacon's a pretty good, cool food, isn't it? It's got a lot of good fat. Yeah, bacon is fine. Now, overcooking bacon and burning bacon, right. there's some question marks. But Chris Cresser, uh, who's a great guy, completely debunked the, what was it? Nitrites and nitrates. Right. Oh, bacon has nitrates. And he went through all the science around 20 references. It's nonsense. The nitrates and nitrites are irrelevant. But it's more the anti-meat agenda. There's huge groups, nutritional groups all over the world and industry funded and they constantly are trying to find things about meat that they can then do a paper on and scare people <laughs> uh, i mean there's even the lone star tick i i don't know is the that what? a texas thing i don't know there there's there's a lone star tick that in a very small number of people if you huh. get a tick bite there's an immune reaction huh. it could or may give you a potential autoimmune reaction to certain sugars that are in mammal meats it's an irrelevant problem and yet there have been loads of papers published on it and covered in the media many times and the reason is 
they cannot find anything against meat, but they desperately want it. So they resort to some people bitten by the tick, have an autoimmune thing, have a bit of immune reaction to the sugar in the meat. That's how far they have to go to wow. finger meat and frame it. It's incredible to watch. You, you mentioned fiber. Uh, a lot of the, the pure carnivore dudes and dudettes, they say that we don't need this fiber. It's just, it's just kind of been a make-believe thing. You agree? It, they they are largely correct, I'll have to say. And long before carvener, car, or carnivore, I went through this. So the reason fiber appears to be good in the studies is because fiber is a proxy or a stand-in for lack of processing. So because unprocessed foods have fiber, and we know unprocessed foods, even vegetables and carbohydrates mm -hmm. are fine because they go down your gut to the good place, so they're fine. The whole problem is the mechanical grinding and processing of grains and carbohydrates, and they become low fiber. They and we know they're bad. Ah. They become because they're mechanically crushed. Mm -hmm. So all the fibers crushed. So they uh, explode up in your high intestine and they do all the bad stuff. But if you watch the birdie, it's not the fiber that's good. It's just that the good foods that are unprocessed have got fiber, which makes it look like fiber is good. Oh, it's a trick. <laughs> so fiber really is of no real relevance. And uh, they're right. If you're in a clean diet and eating great food, really good food, the fiber is just can't add anything, really. That's all. It's not that fiber is good or bad. It's just irrelevant. And an interesting thing is, and this one's a killer, a study done, and no one would cover it in the food industry because it was an absolute killer. <laughs> so they got around, I think, a few hundred people with chronic constipation. Right. Right. Perfect thing to test fiber, right? Because fiber will help. But they did an introduction to the paper and said, Everyone knows, and scientists know, that constipation is helped by fiber, like cereal fiber and these, you know, non-digestible fibers. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> and they go through all the mechanistic evidence and science that says fiber should make constipation worse, right? It bulks, it retains water, it bulks stools. So all the science on one hand says fiber should make it worse. But on the other hand, everyone in science says, no, fiber is good. So we'll get constipated people who are on high fiber diets because they all believe it. It helps. Mm -hmm. And some of these guys, I think the average time between stools was like 2.2 days or 2.4 days. Wow. These guys are the perfect hard cases. So they took half of them randomly and they took away pretty much all their fiber that they were eating. And they just ate meat, fish, and eggs and no, and no fiber. Mm -hmm. Within a week or two, their constipation problems collapsed down off the map. And the other guys who still ate fiber were just as constipated. But you know what they did then, Patrick? <laughs> I love this, because what an engineer would do. They were very clever because they had their answer, but an engineer always switches back on the problem and verifies it happens. Mm -hmm. But they did even better. They brought back in the group with no fiber who are now literally cured, like 98% were dramatically better. It was that amazing. 
And they brought back and reintroduced around half of the fiber they were eating. And guess what happened? They went back around half as bad as they were originally. Wow. Wow. And then they concluded in the paper, all mechanistic science suggests that fiber should complicate and worsen constipation and bowel challenges. In our study, we have proven that this is the case. Finish for all time. That's published. That's a fact, and no one knows it. Yeah, that's. And what's the name of that study? Do we know? Uh, I can send you a link yeah, afterwards. I, I'll dig it out. I'm we'll, around three thousand studies on, in yeah. my hard drive. Probably three and a half thousand. Wow! It's in there. I'll find it. Yeah, you're an engineer by trade, so you're really a good <laughs> researcher geek. I mean, you like to really dig into oh, these things, do you? Hardcore. <laughs> and <laughs> another thing I have, and again, I'm not bragging. But from 20 years of corporate politics in solving technical problems, and they get very political, and you know it, it gets pretty tough in there. So I have the politics, the technical, and all branches of science I've had to bring in in problems that are multifactorial. But the other thing I can do is I can spot in a study uh, chicanery a mile off. Can you? So there's studies come out that basically seem to say cholesterol looks like it is bad. And when you go into them, sometimes you have to go into the supplemental tables. They're not even in the main study. Sometimes I see the clues of chicanery and I go and I download their supplemental tables of raw data. And then you find out where they're basically cheating. That is a huge amount of published science. The conclusion that's published, that's in the newspaper, you go through their own data and it don't really say that at all. It's terrible because they're funded by industry. So industry funds them to find out if cholesterol is bad and the industry's cholesterol drugs will help. The study team, what's it going to do? It's going to get a million in grants. And if they find the wrong thing, they're never going to get another grant. If they find out roundabout kind of, yeah, cholesterol looks like it is kind of bad, then they get another million next year. It's it's a no-brainer. So they're leaving us to our own devices of... Of um, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, and uh, we experiment right on ourselves and see what works. That's all we can do. Yes, right. And well, ideally, like in our book that you saw, uh-huh. three hundred scientific references. So everything hmm. that we put forward, all everything is referenced. And unusually, our book we actually took a, a hit on the profit. Uh, if you will, there's there's no profit in books, by the way. If this sure. sells for 20 books, me and Jeff get two books, we, you know, book each. So it's just a joke. Books don't make money, but it's great to get them out there. But we actually asked the publisher, we don't want the references on a web link. We want our book to have the 300 plus references printed in the back. Wow. So a whole bunch of pages in the back. We want them in the book. And we did. And that's the key. The science is all out there. So yes, experiment on yourself. And yes, everyone's an individual and there will be differences. However, it should be informed by solid science like we've talked about here um, and then verify it in your own experience yes, sir. rather than just blindly. Yeah. Cool. Ivor Cummins is with us. His book is called Eat Rich, Live Long and his uh, website is thefatemperor.com. Ivor, stay right there. We're going to do a little break here and promote a product or two, okay? Boy, it's fun talking to him. I love talking to people who are geeks, man, are real engineer geeks, guys. It's quite fun. Uh, email patrick at oneradionetwork.com or give us a call. Uh, one of the things that I've, I don't do a lot of supplements these days, I just don't any longer. I, Shen Blossom has some great things called uh, um, uh, Arise, and it's really nice for 
south of the border things if you're going to be married and have babies or just practice and then this one too with pine pollen it's a food it's from pollen in the woods it's not a uh, just some kind of a lab made thing that that increases testosterone but it, it really is a nice product and uh, it's on sale right now it's the biggest sale of the year which is pretty cool and if I can find the video I'm going to play it for you and on sale use promo code RESTORE20 20% off wow biggest sale of the year I always wait for these sales and I'll get two or three of them Pine Pollen biggest sale of the year and here's Daniel Vitalis who's been making this product for 15 years telling you about it the first supplement I like to take in the morning right after I wake up is Pine Pollen Pure Potency or P4 this is Survival's flagship testosterone and androgen support formula. It's made with the pollen of pine trees, which is rich in testosterone, androstenedione, DHEA, and a bunch of plant sterols. These are all substances, phytochemicals, that support the body's natural androgens, or male hormones. Of course, men and women are using this product, but usually it's men in andropause. Men after age 40 whose testosterone production has started to decline. Many of Survival supplements can be taken any time of day, but Pine Pollen Pure Potency, it's important that you take at very specific times of the day. Now it can be taken once, twice, or three times, depending on how much you want to supplement yourself with the phytoandrogens found in it. But the key is taking it at morning, right upon waking, midday or noon, and then again right before bed. So once, twice, or three times a day, but always at those times. And that's because that's when your body's naturally producing its own testosterone. And all we want to do is amplify that sine wave. We don't want to start to take testosterone at a time where our body's purged it from the bloodstream. Instead, we want to take it at a time where those levels are already spiking and we're just subtly helping to increase them. This product tastes fantastic. I think of it like an orange creamsicle. And that's because in addition to that subtle pine flavor, there's a little bit of orange peel, Tahitian vanilla bean, cloves, and then a little bit of maple syrup just to give it this nice kind of sweet orange flavor. So it's really delicious and easy to take. So if you're looking to increase your testosterone or androgen levels and you want an alternative to pharmaceutical testosterone replacement therapies, there's nothing that does it better than pine pollen pure potency. And on sale, use promo code RESTORE20, RESTORE20, and it's on sale right now. It is the 8th or 9th of August. By the way, when you hear these, you know, I go into Austin and um, um, put on my mask. I'm just kidding. I don't wear them. Uh, but I go into Austin and you listen on the radio and man, every 10 minutes they're selling low T centers. Boy, this is a big deal now. But they put BBs in your butt and give you, but I've known some people that have done this, ladies too, and you just, you feel great for the, about 30 days and then it just, this stuff's crazy. Don't take this. This is not a, you know, some kind of a lab thing. This is from real, real food, which is pollen from, from, from the forest. So there you go on on sale right now. Um, oh, so I, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, I did a testosterone lab thing what a year ago, and it was, they said it was too high, right? They said, <laughs> they said your testosterone's too high. It was in red, too. It's too uh, But you don't need to do a lab. This is what I know for sure. Okay, this is kind of, this is, you know, this is goes back to, you know, experiment. Um, just, um, in, if you wake up in the morning with morning wood, you have, <laughs> it's 
a family show, you have plenty of testosterone. If you don't, then work on it. Have some meat, have some eggs, have some more cholesterol, have some pine pollen, and have some, you know what I mean. It's all, you don't have to do a test, to, that's it. I just made that up, but I think it's great. No, that's, it's, it's really true. We're talking with Brandon Amalani, and he is uh, the man who brings us the Blue Shield technology to keep us all those little EMFs from uh, doing harm to our body. Mr. Brandon, the Blue Shield is a really beautiful little cube, right? That's the main product. And how does this work? Well, the, the cube essentially sends out signals into the environment that entrain the body. So the body is affected by all these electromagnetic fields in this in the environment. Uh-huh. And when Blue Shield's introduced into the environment, the body starts sympathetically resonating with it. And what we found over 30 years of development is that the body prefers the algorithm, the frequency range, the randomization of frequencies that are exposed into the environment, and the body stops attacking EMF or perceiving the EMF as a threat. And what this does is it normally white blood cell count and it also starts to um, reduce inflammation markers from the body trying to attack the EMF so essentially what's happening is the body is basically renormalizing and reallocating immune power to the body and it makes the body stronger and more well regulated good job Brandon that's an excellent explanation of how this technology works it's called the cube the blue shield see the ad on the front page use promo code one radio for 10% discount Get yourself one, take care of the whole house. That's Blue Shield, right on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. Indeed, Mr. Patrick, talk show host guy. Uh, and the cube, it just looks like the picture, uh, like you have here. And uh, all you need is one per household. Goes out 90 yards. That's right. So it'll probably even protect your little doggy who's out in the backyard. Yeah, it works on animals. I mean, they've done studies. And it works on the cells in the body. It doesn't try to block EMFs or anything like that. It works on the cells and the body. By the way, Ivor, if you can hear me, I lost your camera. Um, oh, I think he's coming back. On. Okay, yeah, I'll be right back. I'll be right back with you. Yeah, I, I lost Ivor, and I can see him on the other screen. I said, where'd he go? Now, if you want to protect yourself while you while you take your life in your own hands and go into the city, just kidding, get one of these guys. This is uh, the Blue Shield for pocket or purse, and you just charge it up with a USB, and it lasts for a long time, and it does the same thing. It only goes out 10 feet, and you just carry this in your pocket. So we got cell phone towers, Wi-Fi, 5G, 12G, 14G, uh, who knows what they're doing. Um, and uh, so this will really help. Like I say, and it goes off every 45 seconds or so. It, it changes the frequency, because if it was just permanent, the body would get used to it and say, I don't want that. See, they're very, they're very smart. This uh, uh, technology is out of Australia, and lots of science behind it. Tested it with chickens and, and cows and more milk and the whole thing. It really works. So check it out on OneRadioNetwork.com. Use promo code OneRadio on OneRadioNetwork.com. So my geek here changed the, uh, changed the spelling on uh, um, Ivan's. But, you know, it, I couldn't figure out how to get it on this quickly. But by the end of the show, I'll, I'll have it figured out. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Ivor Cummins, and uh, that's his book, Eat Rich, Live Long, available on Amazon or wherever else they allow him to be. Um, So I was talking about the EMFs you probably heard. 
How are you guys doing over there in Ireland? I don't want to get off too off track, but just in general, are they trying to 5G you guys everywhere? Oh, oh I'm not too close to no. it. Uh, I know there was a huge rollout around the first lockdown in Australia and all this kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, there's no stopping it because, yeah, I guess it's got this extra reach, which technically is a good thing, in principle, right, you know, better communication and it goes through walls. The whole neg- negative side of it, I haven't really researched at all, yeah. I'll be quite honest. Yeah. Um, I, I, Part of my concern might be because we've entered a surveillance state, a biosecurity world in the West, which is frightening. QR codes, tracking, potential digital currency where we'll be tracked for every purchase. This is all publicly talked about by the the main central banks in the West. Yes. So there's no conspiracy theory here. They're doing dangerous it. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 5G will be a great enabler for global blankets uh, kind of surveillance. So in some ways, whatever about the health effects, you know, I haven't got into that. Uh, my concern is the ability to have just mega surveillance. You know, I'm really worried about freedom's erosion in the coming years. Sure. That, that's a big concern. Mm. Well, as they say, may we you live in interesting times, and we have signed up for this one, baby. Ira Cummins <laughs> is, is with us. So you mentioned uh, fish oil, DHA, maybe sardines and things. We had a gentleman on yesterday who was really cool. I don't know if you know him. Um, uh, Robert Sibes? Sibes? You know him? Mm, cool potentially guy. Potentially, I know the name. There's so many. Yeah. yeah. Really, really interesting, well-researched fellow, and he... He recommended some extra DHA. Make sure you get a little DHA. Now we and you now you got your thumb, but we talked to people and have for a few years some pretty people that I really respect in many ways that think that this omega three thing and even fish oils are like the worst thing ever because of I don't know. Uh, what does your research show with DHA? Yeah, funny, I was in an inter- interview with Dr. Simon, a, a really good guy the other day, and he, he brought up the same thing, and yeah. I hadn't looked into it in a long time. But just from memory, I, I gave the answer. So you could argue there's a problem with taking uh, omega-3 supplements because they have a tendency to easily oxidize, right. just like the vegetable oils, right. omega-6, the bad ones. Right. But the problem is the omega-3 as well, there are papers which suggest that eating the omega-3 DHA EPA in fish with all the other compound compounds and natural antioxidants in fish that's not spoiled is really good. And there's maybe a bit of a question mark around the chemically produced omega-3 and then especially if it gets oxidized by light uh, and other and oxygen uh, when it's stored that maybe are not really getting the goodness. So I always say if you really want to be careful um, and we don't have proof, but we know e- EPA DHA is fantastic. But there's this question mark I mentioned. So try and get it with sardines. If you're worried about mercury in the oceans, mm-hmm. the smaller fish with their very short life cycle, they're low in the food chain. They don't concentrate mercury much at all. So eat the small fish, the sardines and all that and get it really naturally. And canning is fantastic because they get all the goodness of the fish and the canning process you know, it's really, yeah. it's ancient and it works. Uh, the other next best thing I think is if you get seven C's or a reputable manufacturer, they demercify or demercury uh, properly. Do they? And hmm. 
Yeah, they, in fairness, it's C-marked or European standard, and they can't claim it unless it's true. In fairness, I trust them on this. Uh, and the high-strength version is very high in EPA, DHA, not just omega-3, but the particular fish compounds that are beneficial. And if you keep that bottle in a box and away from light, and you're careful in storing it, it's around 10 times lower cost than buying you know, little rubbery pills you're buying it in the bottle yeah and if you're careful with the bottle that's what i would tend to do if i didn't just get it in the real food uh so that's how i would resolve that problem and um yeah, but you think really, you think nutritionally we need a we need our share of it because we used to live near the oceans and the whole thing yeah you you can the omega trees you can convert but some humans convert very poorly yeah. from from the precursors like 10 percent and to be honest, to be safe, yeah, all the human settlements after the Neanderthals went extinct. And one of the theories is the Neanderthals, and we share, all of us humans have around 3% Neanderthal genes because we're able to breed with them. But they died out. And one reason put forward is that uh, they had a poor ability to adjust to lower sun and vitamin D. Hmm. That's one. And then, of course, the mothers in their species they had poor formation of hip bones and they had problems with childbirth, yada, yada, yada. And I, I think that's fair. But the other one is the Neanderthals never learned to fish, but Homo sapiens did. So when the animals began to get hunted uh, in regions to extinction and there were problems with food, uh, the Homo sapiens, if you track them as they migrated out of Africa all around the world, it was always along rivers and along coastlines. And the remains of camps from way back show the remains of fishing and fish bones. Mm. So humans had an advantage. So it's very much part of our evolution. And our brain is absolutely packed with EPA and DHA and cholesterol. So it's another clue. So you could go on, but there's no question it's a highly healthful food source. It may not be magic. You know, but sure. it's highly helpful, like organ meats. And if you target fish, eggs, which are superfoods, incredibly nutrient-dense, yolks of eggs, and fatty meats and organ meats and fish, and you make that your target, and then you add in other stuff around the edge, like vegetables, which give you minerals from the ground, like magnesium, potassium, and all, that's a nice complement to get those important minerals. Uh, you've got yourself the perfect diet. And the funny thing is, Patrick, the age-old British thing was, the classic healthy advice was meat and two veg. They didn't say potatoes, rice. They didn't say <laughs> carbohydrates. Really? Meat and two veg. And you know what? At its simplest, if you only ate meat and two veg. You'd be pretty good. You'd be pretty good. Yeah, you'd be mostly the way there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, what, do you, what do you make of this, all this um, problems with... Um, Alzheimer's and all this stuff going on in our culture. Do you think it's a lack of fat? Do you think it's good fat? or I, I mean, you know, in it, other words, let me ask it this way. Do you think that the good fats can help these people to get them fat in there? The good fats will help the people, but the problem is not, is not really that. Hmm. The problem is what we did eat over the last 100 years. Oh, okay. So 100 years ago, approximately or nearly exactly crisco had the great idea to take lawnmower lubricant like cottonseed oils that was only used for light machinery 
and they realized it was not technically toxic as far as they knew and if they hydrogenated it and turned it into a saturated type fat they could make blocks of solid and it could be used like for baking like butter hmm. and it, it seemed to work and then Crisco was born and then they had massive advertising campaigns which of course very quickly started saying it's better than butter <laughs> because it's got shelf life right. and it's better it's and it's better. magic it's better same old thing and that was the start a hundred years ago hmm. of the vegetable oils people think they started in the 50s and 60s no they exploded then but they started 100 years ago and that also is the start of the modern chronic disease explosion which is heart disease which was very rare back then um began to go up 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 um so basically vegetable oils and refined grains and sugars exploded a hundred years ago and chronic disease came with them and right now patrick the interesting thing and it, it's not me saying this it's the national institutes for health surveys a few years ago in america said that 64 percent of adults in america over 45 years of age are pre-diabetic or diabetic type 2. now it's all the same they're all type 2 diabetic so two-thirds of americans over 45 are type 2 diabetic two insulin resistant wow, wow. two-thirds minimum because if you measure their blood insulin and no one does, you'd get another maybe seven or eight, nine, ten percent. So probably myself and Dr. Gerber and all our professors around the world knowledgeable in this would reckon probably three quarters of adults over 45 are essentially type 2 diabetic. And type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, same thing, is without question the primary driver of heart disease and Alzheimer's. So Alzheimer's has been called recently type 3 diabetes. It's type 2 diabetes where the brain in is the brain. more effective. Yeah. Insulin resistance in the brain. So some people, everyone's different body. Some people it affects the body, type 2 diabetes. Some people, the body's not quite so bad, but the brain has gone to hell with insulin resistance and it's type 3 Alzheimer's. It's all the broadly the same thing. Where did it come from? It came from modern factory oils, vegetable oils, refined grains with all the problems we mentioned earlier and of course sugars which are the ultimate refined carbohydrate they're crazy those three things make up the bulk of the contents of modern processed foods and like we said 60 70 percent of calories in america and even england now and a lot of europe is coming up are from ultra processed foods so three quarters of our calories nearly are from foods that are made up with the devil's triad uh, sugars, refined grains, and vegetable oils, the worst foods on the planet. And most of our calories are coming from them. So there's no surprises hmm. why we're fat and sick. Hmm. No surprises whatsoever. And it's not cosmic rays. And it's not even the E numbers. Remember, everyone used to be worried about additives and E numbers. I think the body can bat those off mostly. But it can't bat off nearly three quarters of its nutrition coming in. That's essentially poison. The body can't deal with that. And that's why we have a disaster, a tsunami of modern chronic disease, simply put. Hmm. And it's not a lack of exercise either. So uh, do you think we need as a species fruit? Uh, fruit brings valuable nutrients. Now, the modern fruits are bred for sugar. They have less nutrients and uh. have a hell of a lot more sugar. So that's the problem. 
But berry fruits are low sugar and they do bring various nutrients and, and goodness from the ground and minerals. So <laughs> I don't think we really need them. And I think a carnivore eating organ meats and eating really clean and not eating carbohydrates uh, probably has very little need at all. Vitamin C, however, we know about scurvy. And if you get low enough vitamin C, your blood vessels will fall apart. Like the sailors literally bled out of their eyes. Really? And oh. you just need a small amount of vitamin C you don't need to get loads of it, but if you're too low, it's a big problem. Hmm. And fruit is a great source. We all know that. However, organ meats, when, when not cooked too much, are a source of vitamin C. Are they? Oh. So they can't. Yeah. yeah. And the, the Inuits had no problem with scurvy and they had no heart disease or anything. And they got no vegetation for nearly the whole year, every year. Hmm. So we know humans if they're eating a clean diet of nutrient-dense fats and animal meats, they don't really need it. They had no fruits, and they were super healthy until the processed food came in, and then the Inuits all got cancer and heart disease. I mean, but that was the processed food. So, um, yeah, I think no harm throwing in berry fruits, because why not be extra safe, take nutrient-dense, low-sugar berry fruits, make sure the vitamin C is coming in naturally. Just make sure you don't go low on it. Otherwise, they're just not my focus. I I would not worry too much about yeah. it. Plus, you can put cream, you know, raw cream on berries. Whoa. I mean, that's great stuff. Yeah. Double cream or heavy cream, I think, in mm. America they yeah, call they it. Yeah, they call it heavy cream. Um, yeah, heavy cream. And, and cream is naturally sweet. It yeah. tastes sweet, even with no sugar. So it gives you sweetness from milk sugars. But... Milk has a lot of lactose and milk sugar, and some people have a bit of immune reaction sure. to milks and, and all. So the thing is, the beauty of cream is it doesn't have the proteins from milk and the milk sugar. So cream is particularly safe, and uh, it's delicious. And I always put it in coffee. I don't really, Patrick, like that bulletproof thing with butter. Yeah, it's kind of slick and oily. And yeah, me too. I'm, I feel the oil. same way. I feel the same way. But cream, no, whoa, no. heavy cream. A little cup of coffee, huh? Double cream, stir it in and make the coffee smooth without any blobs of fat. That's the way I like my coffee. I have an interesting experience for our listeners and you, and it's just real quick, is I was doing maybe one coffee a day, and sometimes I would put a little bit of that chocolate and maple syrup in there and mix it up. It's kind of a thing called a cabalamine tonic. But I was getting, you know, I get too, I'm a writer, and I can't, settle in and really write well if I get stoned like that. And the coffee was making me stoned, right? I mean, just like, I didn't like the feeling because I have to kind of meditate to write well and write a screenplays. And so I said, well, I'm just going to get rid of the cream, I mean, get, get rid of the maple syrup and get rid of the chocolate. And now just with coffee and cream, no, no heavy caffeine hit at all. It's almost like a little, oh, that's nice. You know what I mean? So it must be the yeah. sugar in the in the maple syrup that was whacking me out, and the, and the chocolate, right? Yeah, and yeah, and especially the funny thing is, if a lot of people don't realize this, an oral glucose tolerance test. If you're a fat and diabetic and you take glucose, your blood glucose goes up really high, and your blood insulin mm. trying to manage it. That's a problem. But the funny thing is, it's kind of a quirk or a twist. If you're a very low carb eater, your insulin goes lower and lower and your body is not used to sugar anymore after a few weeks or more. Mm. And you feel great and you're super healthy, but your body is no longer familiar with sugar. Oh, so when you drink it, you can basis. really feel it. Yeah, you really. 
when you drink it a low carber to do that test properly if you're a low carber you're meant to spend several days to a week of eating higher carb not crazy high but higher carb to get your system back used to it so you can see a proper response in that test hmm. but yes if you go straight from low carb to taking a whack of sugar your body's blood glucose sugar will tend to pop up oh, very high. Oh, that's what I was feeling. That was what I was feeling. Probably it's that effect. A mm. low carber, when they take a sudden amount of sugar, it's kind of, whoa. And you can't blame the body because the <laughs> body is actually saying every day it's adapting and it's saying, right, very little sugar coming in. So what happens is your body does need blood sugar, crucially for your brain. Uh, 30, 40% of your brain calories kind of need to be sugar. The rest can be ketones on a low carb diet. And it's needed for your red blood cells, which do need glucose. Uh, so they're, they're, that's about it. But they're very important. So your liver can pump out as much sugar as your body needs, multiplied by five. From, your liver from can meat and fat, sugar. right? From meat and fat. From meat and fat and from recycled pyruvate and from triglycerides, fat have a sugar backbone. Hmm. Three triglycerides on a sugar backbone. It can recycle that. So your liver through gluconeogenesis, we're designed that if we have no carbohydrate for 20 years, we can pump out all the sugar we need for the brain and the red blood cells. Wow. At, by 10. Good for, good for Mr. Liver, huh? Wow, man. It, liver's <laughs> amazing, most important organ. Now, <laughs> the point about that is when you eat low sugar for a while, that's no problem. Your glucagon hormone goes up in your liver and your liver makes more sugar and your liver spares sugar in the brain and instead of a hundred percent sugar in the brain am i freezing you Sorry. froze up a little bit I, the, your audio is still going good so keep going I, it'll oh great it'll, great okay here we are so you're good if you if you think about the system uh no sugar is coming in so that's no problem the body uh starts pumping out sugar it also switches your brain to ketones, which come from fat digestion, because it doesn't want to use loads of sugar in the brain and make loads in the liver. Why bother? So your brain goes to around 70% fuel by ketones and around 30% sugar. It'll always need a bit of sugar. So the liver pumps out the sugar, switches the brain over mostly to ketones, and everything is beautiful. And you'll have clarity of thought. Huh. You will have amazing the, clarity the of thought likes when your ketones. brain is running on the ketones. The brain likes ketones. Oh, the heart, the heart loves ketones. And the heart, the heart runs too. way more efficient Whoa. and better on ketones. Oh, yeah, yeah. So hmm. this is all great. But basically, the body has a coil spring tensioned to, to keep the glucose up. It's like pulling in a tug of war where you're keeping the glucose up. And it's great. But what happens if you suddenly drop in sugar? Well, it's like you take the other team in the tug of war and, and just knock them over. And suddenly you, you pull back, you overshoot because you're trying to keep the sugar, make the sugar. And suddenly sugar comes dumped down into the machine out of the blue and the body gets caught unawares. So briefly, hmm. the sugar will fly up. The insulin will be a little delayed and the body will go, hey, where would that come from? But very quickly, the body then will rebalance and manage it accordingly. Wow. But that's it. That's fascinating, isn't it? So... My fasting blood sugar is now like forty or fifty in the morning. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's but That's low. but when I was doing carbs, if I got that low, I would be like wanting to kill for some food. But now it's different. Oh, absolutely. Now it's different. Well, in that, what's going even, on? What's going on? So what? 
it's what it's actually what I described. It's just another side to that. Mm-hmm. That yeah, the body. Most people run a very low glucose because ketones are taking over to fuel the brain. And yeah, depending on the body, some people like I tend to run when I fast and eat no sugar. I stay up at around eighty-eight or ninety Please, really? fasting because my physiology, you're, for whatever you're reason, a big guy. We're all I mean, genetically yeah, different. You're, yeah, you're a big yeah. And basically, my set point, the body decides to keep it around 88. I go pretty high on glucagon. The liver pumps out a good bit of glucose. The other guy might be at 60. But the really interesting thing, Patrick, is they once explored how low can you go. (laughs) You know what they did? They fasted people for days and days. And their glucose probably went down, this around 30 years ago, to, say, 60 Hmm. or 55. Hmm. But what they did then, and you would not be allowed to do it now, they said, I wonder how low we could make it go when this human has fasted for like a week and is running mostly on ketones. I wonder how low the glucose could go. They slowly introduced insulin and pushed their glucose down. And they pushed it down into the teens and then they stopped. But the people felt no ill effects. Now, most people, as you said, if you're eating a modern diet, and it's a high-carb diet like everyone, mm-hmm. if you drop down after a meal in the slump down to the 60s or even 70s, you'll feel it as a, a, a sleeping on your desk slump. Yeah, right. Or you might even get lightheaded. You might even crash your car. You know, hypoglycemia. You go down naturally to, say, in the 40s and 50, but you're fine. But in this experiment with fasted human beings, they false or artificially force them down into the teens where you should actually be in a coma. A normal person would go into a coma at those levels. Very dangerous. Like a type 1 diabetic who's injected too much insulin who goes down into the 20s go into a coma. But these people were all normal. They weren't just okay. They reported no ill feeling, no problem down in the teens. That's crazy. And that proves <laughs> the body adapts. You do not need any of this sugar in your mouth. None of it. The body can run down at tiny levels. Use ketones, recycle, you know, fat, triglycerol, recycle pyruvate, biochemical pathways. The body can do this in its sleep. Literally in its sleep. You're all night, you're fasted, you're in your sleep. You can do it in its sleep. <laughs> so when they fasted these people, Ivor and they had these ketones, uh, but they didn't eat anything for a week? Uh, they, they were just living on ketones? Or were they eating meat? My memory, no, no, no. My memory is these people were fasted because the team wanted knew that the best way to get you really keto was to fast you. Hmm. Don't mess around. Don't, don't <laughs> eat just meat. Let, let's get these guys stabilized in the ultimate low glucose state, which is fasting. And after four or five days, you kind of hit your lowest glucose and your lowest insulin. They knew that. But it was an amazing experiment. But the other thing is, the longest complete fast with only water and vitamins and minerals Mm. is a Scottish man many years ago. And he fasted. He was very obese. And he did water and vitamins, minerals, an experiment for a year and two months. Come on. Whoa, water and vitamins, a document. That's all he did? And he just lived off his fat? He lived off his fat for over a year, I think a year and three months. He obviously went from being a very obese person, 
down to being normal in that year and three months. Wow. But the point was no ill effects. He had a medical team measuring him for a year and two months. No ill effects. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, anyone can do that. Now, it won't feel great. The first few days of fasting, you feel deprived. And around day three or four, you reach a kind of what they call the euphoric period, mm -hmm. where you actually, your body has given you all these signals to eat because it's worried you're not getting food. It wants you to go and catch a rabbit. But after three or four days, the hunger actually fades away because evolutionarily it knows there's no point making you feel bad after three or four days to motivate you. Obviously, there's a problem in your environment. There's no food. <laughs> Obviously, you're not so the, body stops, <laughs> the body stops the pain. But you know what does happen, wow. which is clever? Over evolution, after a couple of days when you have a lot of ketones in your brain, mm. I've noticed, and myriad people have, mental acuity, sharpness, edge. Yes, sir. And that makes sense because after a few days of minimal food and your ketone-fueled brain, you're actually at a point where it's very important that you catch or kill something or get food. So you actually need to be an enhanced capability. You can't just be Oh, I see. It's fasting. evolutionary saying, man, you yeah. can go out and get, somebody, get something here. You have to. Yeah. You have to because the body knows, of course, it's obvious, knows there is no food coming in. This is a crisis. So after a few days, it stops prodding you to feeling hungry and feeling crap. And you switch over, you're full of ketones, and you're actually razor sharp and probably pretty aggressive in terms of finding food. And it takes away the distraction of hunger, and it leaves you primed with the best functioning brain for hunting. And that's the way we evolved, and that's the way it that's is. That's so cool. Yeah. So I'm like 130 pounds. I've actually gained weight doing carnivore, about three pounds, which is crazy, you know, uh, um, which is great. I could always use some more muscle. Um, but if a guy like me or our listeners who are 130, 40, 50 would just fast for a month, would they lose a lot of body weight, which I wouldn't want to do. But it'd be fun to fast just to see. Yeah. Um I've never fasted for more than 36 hours. Uh -huh. uh, some people with obesity, they do long fasts sure. under medical supervision, like Professor Jason Fung in Canada is a specialist in fasting. Jason Fung, F-U-N-G. Yeah. He's the fasting guru. He's hmm. a nephrologist, kidney specialist, and he's an absolute expert, good wow. friend of mine. Yeah, well. So he's the fasting master and lots of free material. But that's medical supervision long fasts, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, one meal a day fasting for 24 hours that's fine uh but the question you will you will there's no getting away from the reality uh, each pound of body fat is worth i think it's 3800 3600 calories approximately mm. so each pound of body fat is around two days of calories for a man oh. roughly 2000 calories a day yeah so the problem with losing weight is if you just stop eating, you only lose a pound every two days. So it's not going to disappear, but it's a pound. It's three, four pounds a week. You keep going. That'd be a lot for a fellow like, young, you know, that's light folks, 30, 130, 20. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Now, if you're light, your body also knows it's light and true leptin, uh, hormone signaling it knows how much fat you have all of these things are controlled like a like a, a jet engine is controlled with mm. sensors the body is Amazing. way beyond the yeah. jet engine vastly so so the body yeah. knows how much fat you have so what the body does when food goes short and say you're burning 
2,000 calories a day. You're walking around, you're eating a little, and you're, you're burning 2,000. Well, when the body senses that food stopped coming in, it says, uh-oh, and it starts upgrading its efficiency and use of energy. And for the same amount of mooching around, it'll start making you only use, say, 1,500 or 1,400. Oh, it'll start sparing. Pretty clever. Start getting every calorie will be highly used. So if you're slim with that much fat, your leptin signaling will say, I'm low fat stores or not high. And your body will not want to burn the fat fast because after that, there's muscle and after that, there's heart muscle. Like in a concentration camp or, you know, with anorexia nervosa, you know, eventually they die because they eat their heart muscle. Hmm. There's nothing left. But your body will spare and slowly burn the fat as slowly as possible. Now, that's great for you, Patrick. But for someone who's overweight who wants to lose weight, unfortunately, the same kind of thing happens. Same thing happens. Body senses. Yeah. If it doesn't sense visceral fat and bad fat there, in which case it'll burn it quickly. But if you're healthy and still tubby, often for people, when you try and starve yourself for calories, the body tries to use them as efficiently as possible. And it makes it slow to lose weight, which is hard on people. Yeah. But if someone's in a who's still overweight and they're not able to lose weight, even when they're half starving themselves, it does indicate that the body knows what fat is there is healthy fat. Mm-hmm. So that's the only good thing. As you know, it's been talked about and written about for since the beginning of time, fasting for spiritual reasons, becoming more clear who we are, right? And Jesus yeah. and the whole thing. But you know, I've, I've, I feel like I'm fasting now. It's crazy. I've never felt this, had this clarity all the time with just doing a carnivore thing. Never in, in my life. Never, ever. I mean, because I, I have a Excellent. big, strong spiritual path that I meditate and do spiritual exercises every day, but it's so much easier now. You know, the mind is just much more quiet. Yeah. And What's, I just think in there, I, I've never done it, Patrick, but I'm just thinking about it widely reported. This kind of pseudo-euphoria phase after three or four days with no food mm. that appears to occur in humans, and we talked about why sure. evolutionarily. I believe also that that's the real meditating kind of mecca for the people who do do that. I, I don't really. I, I must. I'll get to it someday. But <laughs> three or someday four days. <laughs> I got to do it someday. Um, three or four days into a pure fast, I believe you enter a phase where you can really enhance that medica- meditation. Now, I don't think you need to because you're already seeing benefits. But the other thing is, I discovered this before I learned the science fully. I learned in 2012 that carbohydrate was my problem. I switched to meat, fish, eggs. I lost around 30 pounds over nine weeks. Wow. And my bloods became amazing. 30 pounds. And I wasn't even trying. But the other thing I discovered after a week or two into my diet, I felt way better, like you do. But I discovered my appetite was gone. So I realized I don't have hunger anymore. And I began to skip meals. And I was curious. I said, hmm. I'm going to skip lunch today because I'm busy. And I skipped it. And I thought, my God, I went all the way to dinner without thinking about food. Now, this was before I understood what we've talked about. Mm-hmm. I was really interested. But the other thing I found out is when I come in and I only have a coffee, I, I save time, I get to work quicker, I'm a very busy man in corporate, 
And then when lunch comes, I catch up on stuff during lunch when they're all gone down eating all the crap. <laughs> and when they come back after lunch, the meeting's called at 3 p.m., which can be quite aggressive in a corporate, you know, yourself. Uh, in the meeting at 3 p.m., I'm on fire. Hmm. Just like I, you're uh, at 9 a.m. Yeah, you're rolling. They're not. Yeah, yeah. And it was noticed. Hmm. I was really annoying because I was sharp as a button and everyone else kind of afternoon meeting, getting a <laughs> coffee, grabbing a, a snack bar in, in the vending machine and coming in and chewing it and, you know, just wanting to get to the end of the day. I'm there like a, you know, a jackrabbit. That's, I'm hunting. That's so cool. You know, that's driving good. crazy. That's good. <laughs> you should get a raise. You'll be getting a raise soon. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was well looked after. Yeah. Um, that phase. Here's a couple of emails here. I, here's from Paul in the UK. I get a lot of stiffness in my joints and muscles. If I transition onto this kind of a diet, would that help? And how long would it take if I did? Okay. Carnivore. Carnivore. Go for it. Now. Yeah. Carnivore, like I said at the start, it's pretty well researched. It's working fantastic for the people who had autoimmune conditions and other reasons, and they cleaned up their diet 100% carnivore work great. There are reports of various challenges with carnivore. Some people, it doesn't work so well. Their sleep is not as good anymore, and they add carbohydrates in the evening to help their sleep. Right. I just think that, you know, we've all evolved through different paths, different races, different streams in evolution and yes because we came from eating meat most humans overwhelmingly it's the cleanest diet but not all i'm not sure what tricks there are with carnivore but what i would certainly do is move a little back to a standard healthy low carb if you have a challenge and then presumably you know the challenge whatever you're feeling goes away and then re uh go back towards carnivore and monitor and give yourself an easy road into it, back off a little and then check, well, do the pains really go or, you know, was I maybe mentally focusing too much on that and it actually wasn't really the carnivore? You know, there's so much personal journey here. Mm -hmm. um, but reintroduce, you know, healthy vegetables and maybe some fruits, berry fruits. Uh, see where it goes over a few weeks. Now, you do need a few weeks for each phase because... When you, I know people who went on carnivore and around three or four or five weeks later, when they leveled out, they got amazing benefits. But the first couple of weeks, their digestion was disturbed, their gut microbiome, they, they could have given up actually. Yeah. But they persisted and then they came through that adaptation and then they entered nirvana. And it was so sad if at two or three weeks they said, this ain't working. You know what I mean? It's so sad. So yeah. do it for each phase. Do it for a few weeks, have discipline, monitor, see where it levels out, and then make a change. That, that's all I can say. Here's an email from Emily. She is in Seattle. Oh, God, I love her. She should get carnivore just to survive in Seattle. But anyway, um, <laughs> Patrick has interviewed some carnivore people and keto people, and they always talk about um, um, organ meats. Is it possible to get what we need? There's many companies that do desiccated organ meats and, and that's a good question uh, yeah what do you think about that well i have to uh you know a disclosure here i work with extendlife.com in Ex new zealand they ship all over the oh, world okay and 
Yeah, I we have special nutraceuticals like CX8 that's specially for cardiovascular disease, which I've researched for 10 years. But that was developed by Extend Life and I, I helped them. But the irony is the one product that I initiated for Extend Life was organ meats. And I said to them, you know, Warren, the owner, I was in New Zealand and I said to him, you know something, carnivores growing, organ meats are crucial. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't want to eat them. And there are organ meat products out there and you're not making them. So he, he, he knows I'm a, I'm an on the money guy. So he went out and invested. I think he got a hundred grand of the best quality grass fed sheep meats, organ meats in New Zealand. And he stockpiled and spent several months developing a process. So it's called Organ Ultra. Or it's Organ Ultra. Okay. Organ Ultra. And it's X, the X letter dash, like the minus sign, tend, extend life, all one word. Oh, that's the website? That's the website. Extend, uh, like X dash 10, T E N D. Life, all one word. Gotcha. Extend life. Okay. Dot com. And I think there's dot AU for Australia, maybe dot mm -hmm. co dot UK for UK, but I'm not sure. But dot com should get you there. And there's a discount code actually that I haven't I oh, cool. forgot about this. Ivor 15 in capitals, I V O R 15. Gotcha. Get you 15% off the first order. And I, I haven't been promoting because I've just been too busy with Corona and all the other stuff. Sure. I, you just reminded me now oh, that, well, good. that I still have a so, live discount code for I, I, that. I mean, I think it would be fair to say that the fresh is always better with anything. But do you think that this gets the job done? Do we it, know? Uh, it essentially biochemically, there is no, there is nothing really different, but it's always better. You're right, especially with the fish now. Oh, yeah. but, but even here, You'll always get the real organs, but you prepare them to make them uh, tasty. There's quite a bit of work. There's odors. A lot of people don't like them. So that's why we said we'll make it. But they're freeze dried. And essentially the process is such that everything, minerals, vitamins, and polypeptides and peptides that are in it's all in meats, there. It's all in there. All right. It's all freeze dried. The ultimate process is freeze dried so fast that everything's in there. And then Warren's processes, he also has a very advanced uh, plant, top quality. I, I was in FDA-regulated biochemical devices uh, and pharma industries for many years, mm. so I had to go through FDA audits. So I have a lot of experience. And I visited him in New Zealand and went through his whole plant, top-notch. He has intero coating, very expensive equipment that coats uh, all of the compounds so that they get through into your intestine and absorb properly. A lot of nutraceutical companies, the stuff's dissolved in your stomach, they never even get there. Hmm. There's a lot of corruption in nutraceutical, unfortunately. But Warren is 25 years in this. He knows all the stuff and he's top quality. Yeah, it's good. Uh, on, on the freeze-dried, are these in capsules? So if you can't swallow the capsules, you could, you could dump them out and just eat them? Um. I've never no. opened them, but they're the classic, uh, Caps. classic capsules. So of course you can break them, um, but a lot of people like to just swallow them, you know, with water because they're still a, a faint kind of obviously because they're the sure. real thing, a faint taste. But if you just swallow the capsule, not so much. But I'd say when you open them, they're you know they are sure. the real deal. I just have a but hard time swallowing to, capsules sometimes. I got a little throat here, it, and you know, sometimes I can't swallow these things. They're too big. <laughs> 
there's a gag yeah, reflex and certainly I find it even with similarly sized mm. paracetamol I very rarely take but occasionally I take one and if I try and dry swallow it it can catch but I do find if you put it in and flow it down with water it tends to just shoot down shoot your right throat down. I will yeah, stay right there we got to do a quick break and then you can stay for a few more minutes uh yeah, yeah, I got a few more. Just minutes. a few we'll more. Probably have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, do, we'll just wrap up and let me let me do this because if I knew what I was doing, and then it would be a lot easier. Ivor Cummins is with us. We'll we'll hang him on there and and, and double him for just a few more minutes. Uh, I want to plug a friend of mine who I've known for twenty five years. His name is Fred Dashevsky, and he is the former partner of Andrew Goss, and the company used to be SDL. Andrew left us about three years ago with the stroke thing, and Fred rebooted his company. It's called U.S. Coin Capital. He's on once a month. He has some specials right now. Every month he has some specials. And one thing we know for sure, I think it was Mark Twain, said the only thing you can count on is inflation. Mark was on it, and, you know, I mean, with the amount of money printing going on with the ECB, Bank of Japan, uh, everybody and their brothers, that's all they're doing. They're just printing money. And that makes prices rise and yeah, the whole thing. So we think gold and silver long term is on sale right now. If you'd like to explore that just a bit, talk to Fred, 800-878-2646. 800-878-2646. Seriously, um, you're going to be fine. I mean, there's no guarantees. I mean, you know, but... Uh, the chances of gold and silver on the spot price going down from here substantially and staying there, zero, in my opinion. Zero, zero, 800-878-2646. Previously, with our friend Brandon Amalani of Shen Blossom. A good example of this also is like the Hoshu Wu formula. Hmm. That is, um, hmm. That's a new one that came out. It's, it's really good because it's a blood builder. A lot of people don't understand that Hoshu Wu is actually toxic if it's not prepared correctly. Um, so I wanted to come out with one that not only features the Hoshu Wu as the king herb in the formula, but it's prepared of a minimum of 14 days. Usually we try and get 20, 21 days of cooking it. So you can think of it as like it's in a slow cooker with black beans. Huh. Um and it's basically just cooking down and deactivating some of those liver toxic compounds. So we do use that as like the bulk of the formula, but we basically put a lot of like mature ginseng root, like in our root extract, we have the fermented hydrolyzed pearl powder, reishi stem, and it's got shuri hong, which is like a Romania type family. We got both the prepared warm stuff and then the cool stuff to kind of balance it out in the sense so it doesn't become sticky. If you get a good quality hoshiwu that's properly prepared, it definitely has some invigorating qualities to it and makes you feel relaxed, but yet fully vigorous and energized. Now, that's the kind of Hoshiwu that you would like, right? Really nice products, as you can hear. If you'd like to order Hoshiwu or the other products, click on Shen Blossom right there on the front page, oneradionetwork.com. Use promo code one radio for 10%. I love playing that commercial because it just gives you an idea of how... Brandon makes these products. I mean, he's Chinese medicine guy, Qigong. I mean, black beans, and he has a he has a ginseng where they use organic sake and a fifty year old ginseng. So if you're going to spend your Federal Reserve dollars as such as they are, uh, well, you know they're <laughs> such as they are Federal Reserve dollars. Uh, get some products that really are really special. They work. They're clean, and they have benefits. And you know they work. You can feel them. That's what you want. 
at Shen Blossom. It's on OneRadioNetwork.com. Use promo code OneRadio and uh, we'll hook you up and uh, just kind of go crazy, have some fun. I actually, oh, look at it. Now he has his name spelled right. Wow. How do we do that? Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Ivor Cummins with us. His book is called Eat Rich, Live Long. Thanks for being on the show. Sorry to keep you so long. TheFatEmperor.com, right? You going to go to the beach now? You get off to the beach? Yeah, I'll have to. It's getting a little late, but today is good because it's staying 23, 24 Celsius, or I forget that in Fahrenheit, but it's nice, um, right up till this evening. So, And the sun is still shining. Oh. But yeah, yeah, well, we'll other stuff we have to just do. Just a couple. <laughs> we'll let you go. Just a couple more emails. Um, I have more questions. I'm just going to have to invite you back. I have a lot of questions that I didn't get to, but this is mm. a good one from George. Doesn't say where he is. I've been starting carnivore when I started hearing Patrick talking about two months ago. I'm feeling great, but I just don't poop very much, and I feel like uh, I need to poop more. <laughs> ah, simple answer there. So. One of the most important uh, minerals in general for humans is magnesium. Uh-huh. It's around 300 reactions in the body. It's enormously important, and probably the majority of people are deficient now. Hmm. And the test for magnesium, basically, it can show okay, and you've got a problem, because the body will keep magnesium up, even if it's beginning to pull it out of your bones. So magnesium is a huge problem. So you got to get magnesium. It's amazing. Magnesium citrate. And the other thing about magnesium is I don't think constipation can exist in a human, maybe in very rare cases. It cannot exist if you're regularly taking magnesium. So what happens to me is if I take a few hundred milligrams of magnesium uh, citrate, the right amount, on an empty-ish stomach in the morning, hmm. within an hour, I will have to run to a bathroom. Really? And I mean, will have to run because you will literally uh, cause diarrhea when the magnesium goes in without being buffered in food. So what I do is I take magnesium after my big evening meal, then there's no problem. There's no way I could be con- uh, uh, constipated if you're, if you're taking plenty of magnesium. It's impossible, mm-hmm. I think, possible so if you have constipation there's a simple solution and it also brings in one of the most important minerals uh, we can get it's it's all good and uh, that that that's the answer i mean and obviously we just said earlier about the fiber you add in more fiber it'll probably make it worse <laughs> that's just nuts yeah magnesium will do it many of the carnivore people i've spoken with the last three months most of them they talk about plants, vegetables, having all of these chemicals because that they create so people don't eat them, right? Oxalates and all kinds of stuff. Mm. Do you think there's anything to that in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think it can be exaggerated. So I think humans are omnivores and we went through long periods where we couldn't get game, uh, no question. And we adapted to be able to handle the plant proteins. Mm-hmm. Uh, largely. Now, there's a minority of people who have serious problems with various plant proteins of various types. Some people can eat all those phytonutrient things, no bother. Another person eats them, 
they've got gripe, they've got stomach problems, it's dreadful. You don't know unless you test. But at the end of the day, meat, fish, eggs and vegetables that we know are very unlikely to cause a problem, like, you know, your above ground leafy vegetables and mm. stuff, is the safest place. Um, and then you got to find out yourself what you do react to. If you react to something, I can tend to eat vegetables, normal vegetables, and I, I, I can't ever measure any kind of problem. But then I know people that certain vegetable sources are a massive issue. So it, it's personal. You know? so, so do you think we're eating the fruit and vegetable more for fun, not necessarily that we need what they have? Well, it adds to variety, but the thing about vegetables, you've got to be careful. If you're on a carnivore diet, what you might miss out on are minerals from the ground that tend to mm. come in vegetables. So magnesium, potassium, and the various minerals, you've got to keep an eye on because there's not so much of them in meats, especially if you're not eating organ meats and certain cuts. And the other thing is the carnivore diet, you should be eating the gristle and the heads of chicken bones, whatever you know, yeah. for for all of those. That's what humans did. But if you're just eating steaks, you can be missing out on minerals and other things by not eating all parts of the animal. So you're back again to this concern. Uh, but vegetables, we've always eaten and foraged for root vegetables and plantains and and all the other stuff humans can eat and. They do bring in minerals from the ground. Now, the only thing I'd say as well, the U.S. Department of Agriculture a few years ago had a shock report, and they showed a graph of the mineral content of vegetables like magnesium and potassium and calcium, all these, these important things. And the graph is shocking because over 40 years, the, the mineral content of vegetables has fallen over 80%. I've seen that. That's crazy. That's crazy, and, and that's why I say potassium citrate, magnesium citrate. Hmm. If we were eating vegetables 50, 60 years ago that we grew in organic soil, and if we were drinking spring water With that full of minerals, right. <laughs> no worries. But we're not. So that's why supplementing is, is, is important, because we can't depend on our vegetables and we're not drinking spring water. We're drinking fluoridated crap from a, you know, a, a sewage treatment plant. That that's what our pipe pipe water is. Yes, sir. Do you do you think that um, if we grass fed, grass finished beef, or you know, and this doesn't have a lot of fat, and and we can get grain organic grain fed finished beef and it has more fat. Do you think that's cool or interesting or reasonable? Uh, I, I, I'm not as fixated on grass-fed mm -hmm. and a lot of beef in America that's not technically grass-fed all the way through. Yeah. I have a friend, a forage agronomist, an expert. He said most of the beef across America is mostly grass-fed and it's grain-fattened at the end and sure. it's not really a problem. Right. So I, I would not worry about that personally. He also said the hormones they use, even though they're illegal in Ireland and America is very lax, he went through the, its nanogram levels and what's left in the final meat not of hormone much. is so low that he doesn't worry about it. I'm not certain, but I, I don't think it's a major issue. So hmm. Dr. Eric Westman tells people, if you can't afford the fancy beef, you are still vastly better, <laughs> better off, off ordering burgers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Take off the bone and the sauce, eating burgers even from 
high street burger joints. No, no fries, no coke, no buns. But eating that meat is much better for you that, than than eating ultra processed food, sure, sure. even if it's not grass fed. So I just think, yeah, I'm not overly worried about it. And uh, but what was the main question was the oh the you know it's the grain finishing. I'm not overly worried about it. No. But if you have the money. You can get the organic grain fed grass all the way or, or grass all the way yeah, yeah 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 so does do you think butter gets the fat that we need if we're not getting enough fat on the meat butter and eggs and yeah do it uh, absolutely egg yolks are fatty again organ meats so cheap and mm. so fatty and yeah. so full of nutrition but by all means, uh, I don't really like eating too many oils or purified fats because they tend to be fats and oils with a lot of calories, sure. but without nutrition. However, grass-fed butter that's nice and yellow does bring in vitamin K2 from the, the spring grasses, and it does bring in a certain amount of nutrients. So it's better than just eating a simplified fat. Uh, butter is kind of a food. So if you augment your, your leaner cuts, if that's what you happen to be able to get, mm -hmm. with butter, butter, you're also bringing in a fat which has nutrition in it, once sure. it's not the white crap butter. Hmm. So hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. We can get Kerrygold here. Is that out your way, Kerrygold? Is that grass-fed? Uh, Kerrygold, by definition, Irish beef is essentially grass-fed. No, gr Kerrygold butter. Sorry, Kerrygold butter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, well, Kerrygold only comes from Ireland. It's a protected brand. It only comes from Ireland. And Ireland, by definition, is grass-fed because our system, with all of our green fields, hmm. it's economical to just have grass-fed by default. That's good to know. So That's good to know. Yeah, it's, it's, nice it's default grass. Yeah. And now, Kerrygold, unfortunately, have gone rogue in the last couple of years, oh. and they're doing a light Kerrygold. What are they putting in? Canola. They're mixing in vegetable oil. I've seen that. Yeah, don't do that. Don't it's do that. Insane. <laughs> Crazy. But the other thing is in Ireland and maybe in many places in mm. America, the cattle are mostly grass foraged and then they, they fatten them and marble sure. them with grain. Right. I don't think it's a big problem. But there's another interesting thing there. What was it again? That the Kerrygold, the grass fed. Oh, it was, it was a point. Ah, I know what it is. People sometimes complain about carnivore and keto and their expensive diets and people can't afford them and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Wrong. Egg yolks and eggs are relatively still very cheap in the Western world uh, per nutrition value and even calories and fats. They're not that expensive. And the other thing is organ meats are a no-brainer. No one eats them anymore, so they're cheap. Yeah. Super cheap. Nobody wants them. So that's good. <laughs> In Ireland, nobody wants them. It's insane. But the other thing in Ireland is it's 10 euros. Actually, the dollar is the same as the euro now because the euro yeah. weakened. So yeah. 10 bucks for two pounds of the fancy, lean, heart-healthy meats, right, from grass-fed cows. Two, $10. $10 for two pounds? Of ground beef. Oh, ground beef. Low-fat heart healthy now we know that's nonsense but they think it so it's a premium product maybe mm. 10 or 12 bucks for around two pounds however on the same shelf is the same meat from the same cattle but it's got all the fat in it so it's not the heart healthy premium product it's around four or five bucks 
it's half the price for the much better meat with the fat. Yeah, yeah. that's a reality. Yeah, yeah well, that's about In what Ireland. the price is here. Pretty much, I feed my dog uh, organic, grass-fed, and finished beef, and from the local store, it's about now. It's about it's gone up about six bucks a pound here. It's gone up in the last, you know. But hey, That's it's the best calories. Best for for her, you know. She's a carnivore, right? A dog. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, a dog is not a pure obligate carnivore. A cat is an obligate carnivore. Huh. It must eat meat only, or it'll get diabetic. But a dog is a bit more like a human or a pig. It's it's kind of it's a scavenger, like we are, and it can handle a bunch of calories from any other crap. But if you feed a dog a lot of nuts and carbohydrates, it'll get diabetic not, not too good. and fat. Well, I can remember yeah. before, before in the fifties when we had when I was a kid and we had dogs and sixties. It was just all table scraps. They did fine. I mean, that's there was no pet food. There was no such thing as pet food till they put Alpo on Johnny Carson. Remember that? <laughs> they started yeah. selling Alpo on Johnny Carson. And, you know, that was the best diet. But, unfortunately, they were giving them all potatoes and, and sure. all kinds of leftover, yeah. which is not ideal. But dogs are good for that. They're scavengers. However, there's a phrase in Britain. I'm not sure if you ever heard it. And it basically says, it's like meat and veg was the answer. Hmm. And it's an ancient phrase. And it's the, actually the answer. Here's another one. As fit as a butcher's dog. As fit as a butcher's dog. Oh, I like that. And the reason that's hundreds of years old, and the reason was because people knew without the biochemistry, they knew the butcher's dog only ate meat mm. and was always super fit. They noticed that the best diet for a dog, without question, is to just keep giving them meat, raw, coot, Whatever. bones. My little terrier, all we feed him is meat. And he's super healthy and he can see his muscles, even though he doesn't even walk much. <laughs> He only gets meat, and when you give him chicken bones, dogs have a gullet, and people say, oh, we could choke on the chicken bones. My wife thought that, and I said, no. Not I if they're raw. Up. Not if they're raw. Right. Not if they're raw, but even the cooped ones, which can be sharp, and once or twice he, <laughs> he really? made that noise. But the dog's gullet, because they're scavengers and bone crunchers for the marrow, it's actually adapted very well, and it's very hard for a dog, even a small dog, to choke on chicken bones. My dog crunches them, cooked or raw. You hear him, he crunches them up and swallows them and they disappear. Well, they used to be chokes. wolves, right? They used to be wolves. <laughs> Essentially. Well, Ivor, so, thank you. you. I know you've got to run and I have another interview coming up. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. You're great fun. And uh, really, thank you for being here. Your website is um, fatemperor.com, right? That's where people can check in with you. Yeah, and if you Google my name, Ivor Cummins, you'll, you'll hit my YouTube and my Twitter, and I'm very active on those. Oh, Not cool. so much on the website, but, but all that stuff. And one last thing I may mention, just if people are interested in the story of COVID, uh, we made a movie, we did a Kickstarter, and we brought in around 160 grand oh, in man. three weeks. And yeah, and, uh, and we spent it uh, with a big team. And we interviewed around four or five top professors in all the fields, the relevant fields, and if you go to covidchroniclesmovie.com, all one word, you won't find it on Google because it's been banned off the search engine, of course. Of course. Covidchroniclesmovie.com. You hit the website. It's free to download or stream. It's all free. And I, well, an maybe Irish we could, maybe we could post movie. that on our front page and then have you back and talk about it sometime. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, we'll come back now. I'm, I've run out of time yeah, now, yeah. absolutely. But Gotta no, go. Absolutely. Oh, he just froze up. Oh, actually, I might. If you, yes, sir. Go oh, ahead. No, go ahead. It's breaking up. Yeah, um, yeah. you might send me this show because I can also grab the show I will. and promote I'll it. Send you, the I'll send it to you. Thank you, sir. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Great stuff. Have a great day, Patrick. Whoops. Bye now. Whoops. Oh, wait a minute. I don't want to do that one. I got the right thing. Thanks, Ivor. Been an honor to have you here. Uh, where am I? I got to put through the right thing. Yeah, we have to, we're going to move to, thanks, Ivor, and all of his time, and uh, Fed Emperor. And we are going to check in with Max Egan. Max is a, he's a real globalist kind of a researcher. He's a fun guy. I'm looking forward to it. And we have about 10 minutes, and we'll be right back. So stay there. Thank you. May the blessings be. Thanks for your support. Please go to our website if you need some things for your body, for your mind, for your heart, or gold coins, oneradionetwork.com. Thanks for your support. That's how we support ourselves. So if you need something, got a few bucks, buy some stuff. Okay, I will see you 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.